Hello. Welcome to Spotlight, a spattering of colour on the canvas of life. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, I look into the world of swinging, but not the type that requires a pineapple in the window. Like a phoenix from the ashes, the Manx Museum has been celebrating the reopening of the National Art Gallery. And don't cry for me, Argentina. You are such an ugly crier. Good evening, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for keeping me company over the next half an hour. Uh, Grab yourself a cup of tea and get nice and cosy. I do hope you've had a lovely day. And if you haven't, hopefully I'm not going to be the reason it gets any worse. But to be honest, how can it when we're talking about swing? Swing dancing originated in Harlem, New York back in the late 1920s and was popular right through to the 1940s and is still today on the Isle of Man thanks to the organisation Swing in the Isle. Originally set up by Gordon, it's now run by Natasha and Craig Brown who hold swing dance classes around the island. I spoke to them earlier this week. Well, the idea isn't actually ours. The idea came um, from a friend of ours, Gordon, who um, had... I don't know, thoroughly enjoyed swing in his lifetime, but uh, was aware there wasn't a group on the island. So he basically got it going. Um, We got involved really as part of my own sort of happiness journey, I guess. Um, Being someone on the island who was involved as a dog mum, but had a history of being a teacher um, who loved dancing. Um, and was struggling to find somewhere where I could go and enjoy dancing and have fun and have a little bit of a social life. Um, and I met Gordon through dancing. Um, and I think because he knew I was a teacher, he asked me if I would be interested in getting involved in running it. Um, and long story short, he ended up going back to the UK and asked us to take over and keep his baby going, which we did probably about four Five years? Yeah, I think it actually started around about six, seven years ago, and we probably then took over about five years ago. And how have you seen it grow and develop since you first started, well, first took it over? Okay. Um, Well, it very much started out as a dance club, didn't it? Um, But it's quickly become more of a family. Um, We have a big emphasis on well-being, um, because for us... It isn't just about learning to dance, it's about um, exercising without realising you're exercising, it's about community um, and giving people, I don't know, a way of learning to dance and enjoy life, have a social life, make friends, um, do lots of things that hopefully they'll enjoy. Yeah, so I think rather than seeing it growing as you would do with a a business, as Natasha says, it's become very much a swing family, swing community. So what we've seen is a a nice, steady core of people that have been there from day one, and then lots of other people that have dipped in and out over that time. Uh, Me being one of them, with (laughs) all intentions of coming back. And I think you hit the nail on the head. If If you were aspiring for a family feel and just a feeling of happiness, that was exactly the vibe I picked up on every single time I, I went. So even if um, 
if I was quite tired, I would go and I would felt picked up straight away. Like it's just <laughs> such pure, pure joy. Like yeah. that's how, how I experienced it anyway. And for people who don't know what swing dancing actually is, could you sort of describe it to us? Sure. Um, I mean, swing dancing is basically the style that became popular from the 1920s to the 1940s, 50s. Um, so if you've seen any of the kind of um, army dancing going on, uh, Charleston, we do Charleston, um, it's, it's quite a traditional background, um, but it grew up actually in Harlem and it's a very much a black African dance. Um, that grew from jazz steps um, and that sort of uh, culture. Um, but it, it, it exists all around the world. There are swing groups as far afield as Australia um, and it's very much got an emphasis on honouring black culture mm -hmm. and where its roots stem from, um, but also that family, that community, you could go to any swing group anywhere in the world and you would recognise what they were doing. Um, and what sort of music? So traditionally, you have your tradition, traditional yeah. swing music, but then when I came to classes, you two would also <laughs> mix it up with modern music. So we it do. was like a perfect blend of the two. We do. I mean, a lot of the groups do stick with the more traditional music. Um, and that's fine. You know, I, I, I would honour that in uh, people's preference. But um, we have a love of all sorts of genres ourselves personally. And a lot of people come to us wanting to learn to dance so that they can go back to their various parties, be it a work party or an event at the Villa Marina, and they want to dance. So by incorporating a whole range of music. Not only are we touching on what makes us happy, but hopefully we're also showing people that actually dancing, it doesn't have to be generational. It doesn't even have to be a specific music genre. Um, we can dance to any any decade. Yeah. It's interesting, as Natasha says, uh, a lot of the swing clubs are very much about the tradition. And that is a fantastic thing. You, you should honour the uh, the black origins and music origins but what they seem to be forgetting is a little bit like people who say Shakespeare isn't relevant for today look at what it was at the time it was the accessible music and the fact that they're dancing to swing is because swing music was the music of the time and so it, it's a dilemma for me because as Natasha will tell you I'm from a ballroom background so I'm very much uh, a fan of strict tempo uh, constantly bemoaning when it's not but equally, I love the fact that you can do swing, as Natasha says, to, to anything. If it's got a 4-4 rhythm, you can dance to it. And that's the whole point. It's getting people moving and dancing and giving that inclusivity and accessibility. Yeah, that's brilliant. And all the different variations of dance that you teach at swing, um, I just find I couldn't pick a favourite. They're all such fun dances to do. Mm -hmm. um, and one question that I'm sure a lot of people would think of if they haven't been but are thinking of coming, do you need to come with a partner? Not at all. One of the, the joys, I guess, of swing is that uh, within our classes, we rotate everyone around. So we ask people to decide if they're going to be a leader or a follower for that particular class and we get 
everybody paired up accordingly. Um, and then all the follows rotate round or all the leaders rotate round depending on where we have numbers over. And if we have numbers over, that's not a problem either. Um, so yes, you, you don't have to come with a partner. It is scary to come on your own. And we recognize that, that, you know, for a lot of people, perhaps they want to learn to dance, um, but they're frightened of coming to something new. Um, so we try to be very welcoming and encouraging. And, and um, I mean, we're, neither of us are extroverts. We're not social bunnies by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, you, you don't need a partner. You you come and you quickly make friends Absolutely. because you are rotating around. You, you have to have that quick little conversation with a complete stranger who the next time you come around to them is, is not such a stranger. Um, and it makes you a better dancer doing it that way as well. You're not learning your own partner's bad habits or doing things wrong together because you have to go and dance with someone else within you know, 30 seconds or a minute. Mm. And I find that um, your teaching style from both of you, I didn't have any, dancing is always something that I've wanted to do, but I remember being in shows in school and, and struggling to pick it up quite quickly and then feeling the pressure of seeing other people getting it and then <laughs> moving on and you feel like you're falling behind, behind, behind. And the way you guys teach the classes, it's so easy to pick up the steps. Mm. And um, I felt really confident quite quickly because Good. of the way you teach. So that's fantastic. Oh, that's really lovely to hear. Um, I mean, I have a primary school teacher background um, and a real passion for teaching. And I spent a few years teaching adults, uh, teachers, how to teach maths <laughs> of all subjects. Um, so for me... Running, swing in the aisle combines two of my biggest passions. Um, and Craig has a huge wealth of technical dance knowledge. Um, so he helps to plug those gaps for me. You know, when we're planning our lesson, and we always do like a little routine. So people come to a lesson, we teach three or four moves, and straight away they've got a little routine that they can practice in the social dancing there and then. Um, but when we're preparing our lessons, you know, we practice before we we try and unpick. Well, how am I going to teach that? What do I need to say? Um, and what's the technique I need to be teaching people? Mm. Um, because our own experience of learning to dance, a bit like you've said, flavors that. Um, and <laughs> without getting too technical, when people teach and kind of everyone assumes they can do it. If you if you can do something, you can teach someone else how to do it. But actually, that's not strictly true um, because we all learn in different ways. So I am trying to make sure that as I teach, I touch all the bases of how different people learn. Mm. And I honor that. You know, Some of us are visual learners. Some of us are oral learners. Some of us just need to get on and, and do the move. Mm. Um, so it's 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 trying to incorporate my skills, I guess. Yeah, and as brilliant. you can probably gather from that, Natasha's passion is very definitely teaching and, and yeah. getting people to enjoy what they're doing. Mm. Um, and that's great. And whilst my background isn't teaching in my business career, really a lot of what I've done has been about developing people, 
which you know is teaching by another name mm. Uh, mm. and that's what you know it's great to hear that you found the dancing fun because that for me is what dancing should be about yes yeah. there are there are performance dances there there is competitive dancing but the swing dancing that we do is about being there enjoying it and doing your own thing mm. you know we show people the let's say the standard way of, of doing the dance that's not the correct way it's the way that it would be taught but ultimately it's about everybody doing it their own way and that's what makes it fun seeing everybody's own personal interpretation absolutely no i think you've well i keep saying it. i think you've both nailed it honestly <laughs> um and do you want to tell us a little bit about what lessons you've got to offer and some of the new things you've had come up sure, recently sure okay um so for our own well-being we don't teach every single week of the year um we're of an age now where we don't want to be out every single week of the year so we very much keep people informed um through emails through facebook through our website and i'll leave you all those details um but in essence we teach in ramsey on a tuesday evening and we teach in douglas on a wednesday evening um when we're teaching um but we also have what we consider our swing parties um, quite often on Fridays or Saturdays. Again, not every, I mean, maybe once a month, once every couple of months. And we also often go to other events where we know the group who are playing or the music that's being performed and whether we can dance. Um, like you're, you've appeared at the Villa Marina when there's been a big band on stage. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the Villa, the Peel Centenary Centre, I mean, pubs. <laughs> you know, we, I guess we are getting to know which bands we can dance to and they're getting to know that we dance to them and musicians tend to enjoy having dancers so so sometimes it's by invitation sometimes it's almost akin to a flash mob where <laughs> you know you may suddenly see some spontaneous dancing and you have to be mindful that you're not ruining everybody else's enjoyment but if you can see that it adds to the spirit of it then absolutely you get up and uh, you know, bust a few moves i love that though because you're kind of tapping into the orange origins of swing music anyway where people would just mm. go out and a band would be playing and then people just start dancing it's yes. lovely yeah that's exactly it. And, and as Natasha says, I think a lot of the performers make it very clear when they're wanting to do that. The, the Southern Bells, um, the, often you'll see them boogieing along on stage while they're singing and uh, trying to copy what the dancers are doing on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, music and dance just go so well together. And I think probably, you know, 99% of us, if we're listening to a song that we enjoy, our feet will start tapping um and for me that's part of the passion of of dancing that you know you're exercising without realizing that you're exercising you're getting all those happy endorphins um yeah. and and you're just i don't know feeding your soul you know there's there's a big well-being aspect to dancing um but in terms of new things mm -hmm. um we have started developing um little teaching videos um, so from our, our regulars came, I, I guess, this request. We, we had the habit of once we taught a little routine, we would video it for people, you know, and everyone would, you know, in this day and age, you could do it on your little mobile phone. And then if people wanted to refresh themselves, you know, during the week and practice a bit more at home, they could do. Um, and from that grew this idea 
I guess going through lockdown when I did a few teaching videos for people um, that perhaps we could just record, you know, three to five minute short videos um, demonstrating what we'd done in the class. You know, so this is how you do that move. Um, and having experimented with membership last year, um, we're offering a video subscription this year where effectively most weeks I will send out a little spreadsheet to people with videos of the moves that I've taught that week or videos of moves that I'm planning to teach, you know, depending on when it is. Um, and we've also recognised that actually, you know, if anyone is thinking of wanting to learn to dance but they're not quite brave enough to come to the class yet, um, then go on our website and see some of those free videos or, you know, even consider taking out a subscription for a month and, and get some of those videos to look at and get an idea of what swing looks like. And then maybe that will give you the confidence to say, do you know what, I could I could go to a class now because you know, I recognise some of the terminology. Um, and one of our, our important things, if you like, is that we make it as affordable as possible. We're not we're not doing this as a business. We're not, you know. Um, so the monthly subscription for the videos, it's £15 a month. Mm -hmm. uh, the lessons are £7. A lot of our socials are £7. Um, we, we're trying to keep prices down as much as possible. I mean, yes, we try to cover our costs, mm -hmm. um, but we're not, we're not doing this to, to run a business as yeah. such. No, that's lovely. And I think such a brilliant idea as well, because people do get nervous, especially if they've got no one to co go with. So I think adding that little stepping stone in, you know, not only are you keeping up like with the times, but it's just a really thoughtful thing to introduce, I think. Mm. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting with you mentioning people going when they don't have somebody to go with them. As you say, the video can maybe give them the encouragement to go the first time. But of course, the other disadvantage if you don't go with somebody is you have nobody to practice with potentially as well. Now, the socials are there. The lessons hopefully are once a week. But in the intervening seven days, if you want to pull the video up and at least watch what you've done, even if not dancing it, then it, it just keeps the grey cells ticking over as well. Mm. And it's also grand for the people who are dipping in and dipping out, mm. you know, like us, we're off island fairly frequently. A lot of our members, you know, will come and go for work, for pleasure. Um, and some of our members have said, well, I want to have the videos for the lessons that I miss. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's lots of different ways that people can use the resources that that we present. I remember taking a couple of videos um, at the end of one class and then coming up to here, uh, coming up to the studio to do the after hours show and Michael came with me and whilst, and I think because on a Wednesday, you guys spy, inspire the start of my Wednesday show every night because I try and start it with some classic swing or electro mm. swing mm. and Michael came with me and I showed him the video and whilst those tracks were playing, we were in the studio trying to do the dance. So, Excellent. Yeah, that was a really nice memory. Those are all my questions. Is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, I think the only other thing I would say is one of the questions that does crop up quite regularly is who is swing dancing for? Um, the nice thing is it's, it's for anyone and everyone. You know, we, we have members from 18 to 80, and I can genuinely say that now. <laughs> um, one of our members is turning 80 very shortly, and uh, as a result of that, there isn't a typical member. There's not a typical person that, that loves swing dancing. It is for anybody who likes to move, 
who likes to listen to music, who just likes to be in a social environment and be with friends. It genuinely is for, for all ages and for all people. Natasha and Craig Brown there. And if you're interested in giving swing dancing a try, I can highly recommend it. Um, Natasha and Craig do swing dance lessons on a Tuesday in Ramsey, 7 till 9, and on Wednesdays in Douglas, 7 till 9. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. An official launch event has been held at the Manx Museum for the reopening of the National Art Gallery. The artwork on display has been expanded with some 130 pieces, making it the largest collection to date. Katie King is the curator and social historian for Manx National Heritage. She spoke to Lewis Foster. So the Manx Museum here in Douglas, it's got a dedicated art gallery which people will be familiar with. And every five years or so, we rotate the art collection so that someone that haven't been seen before can, can be seen and we put some to rest because some art doesn't enjoy being in the light very you know, all the time, so we swapped them out. But actually last year was the 100th anniversary of the Manx Museum. So we had a big celebration exhibition called Museum 100. So temporarily our art collection was really reduced in that gallery while we celebrated the depth of our collection. So this is the first time that the art's been back in the gallery for over a year. And for the first time we've put 130 artworks in, which is the biggest, the densest hang we've had for a while. And 40% of the art that we've got on display today hasn't been seen in public before for all sorts of reasons mostly to do with conservation reasons so we've spent a lot of time and effort preparing these artworks for people to see. So worth people revisiting then if they haven't been for a few years to see some new works? Absolutely so the gallery's had a complete refit it's had a vibrant new colour hopefully visitors will enjoy it it's got a really vibrant new interpretation style and look and we've really got some beautiful artworks out and as I've said many of them will never have been seen in public before. Some of the classics of course the ones that people come back for Ilium Doan for example still there no so Ilium Doan as some um, of your listeners may know is actually off island at the moment having some conservation assessments made so he is away um, so it's he's very big of course so it's given some space to some other faces to be seen in the gallery how much work how much effort has it taken over the <laughs> years to, to put this particular exhibition together well thank you for asking because <laughs> it's not easy actually it's been 18 months in the planning and it's not just me so I I had the great joy of selecting the art but it's very much dependent on our conservation team Chris Weeks and Emma Lacornu who have been put in a tremendous amount of work getting these artworks in display condition and like I say we've got 6,000 artworks in our collections but they're not all artworks that would end up in an art gallery you know they're sketchbooks sometimes they're little little cigarette packets from the internment art collection you know they're not designed to hang in the art gallery so we've had to think through all these issues and I'd also like to thank Kirsty Neat, who's our head of collections, who allows us to be brave all the time with our with our decisions in galleries. Curator and social historian for Manx National Heritage, Katie King there. Now, Dewan Moore's artwork, Where Is My Mind, is one of the pieces on display in the people section of the gallery. So it's basically, it's a guy with uh, without a head, uh, and he has goldfish instead of a head. And it's all about just those little moments that you forget why you're in a room or why you've forgotten something that's kind of what my work's about. It's about the little things, the little victories or annoyances in life. Tell us about the process of when you, you put this painting together. What, what, what was going through for your mind when you were putting it to, when you were putting it to canvas? So uh, it was, I know it's one of the newer pieces in there, but I painted it uh, 14 years ago uh, when I had more hair and I was less grey. Um, 
yeah, it was part of a series of exhibitions I did, uh, putting putting paintings in places that didn't normally have exhibitions. So that was part of the first exhibition I did, which was all to do with uh, fish, because uh, I did I did an exhibition in a, a seafood restaurant, uh, and they're all very surreal works. All my works quite surreal, um, and yeah, Manx National Heritage uh, bought it, I think not long after I'd displayed it, and uh, yeah, it's just really really good to see it in the space. Does it give it that sense of permanence now? Are you thinking, oh, this could last, uh, possibly outlast yourself? We, you were saying yourself, uh, there's quite a few artists who are obviously no longer with us now. Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird feeling to be in the same room as, uh, as like Archibald Knox and, and, you know, very famous painters and, and things like that. And it's, it's, just, it's just a really good feeling, to be honest. And the, His Excellency Sir John Lorimer there was uh, describing how it d- depicts a kind of social history. Do you, do you see your, your works among, among that as well? And, and giving a sense, is there a sense of Manx identity as well that you put into it? Uh, I, I don't think the Manx identity in my work is quite as overt as it is in some works. Um, I think most of the things my work is about tends to be the little things in life, which are very much connected to the island because, you know, I live here and I've lived here forever. So a lot of the little kind of wins or annoyances I have are to do with living here, really. And uh, you were saying you've just opened up a gallery. Tell us all about that. Yeah, so I opened up a a studio gallery in Castletown back in August. um, And I wasn't sure how well it was going to go, but it's been doing really well. So if you want to see what I'm up to now, kind of 14 years after... I painted the uh, Where Is My Mind piece. Uh, you're welcome to come down any time. You know, it's all good. Do you think there's a, a healthy appetite for art on the Isle of Man? I think there is. I don't think people realise that they want to see it. You know, quite often I notice people who come into my gallery and they haven't, well, some of them have intended to go there, but the vast majority are just passing by. And they end up spending quite a while in there and it's not a big space. And they love talking about it. Mm-hmm. But they, they, if you ask them, are you into art? They say, oh, no, I'm not into art. But I think they are. They just don't know it, but they're there having that conversation, so it must be. That's it. Everyone's got an opinion about art. Um, weirdly, people like to express it to me whether I want to hear it or not, which I don't mind, really. But, uh, but it's just good to have people talking about it, you know, so that's, that's really good. And how have you felt going around tonight having a look at all, all the works in the National Gallery? Uh, really, really inspiring stuff. You know, there's some great... There's something for everybody, really. You've got portraiture, you've got kind of old-school oil painting, you've got much more contemporary works, abstracts. Um, it's really nice to kind of be amongst good company in there, you know, like uh, Norman Sale, who's got some work in there, gave me my first opportunity as an artist to be artist in residence. And Dave Fletcher uh, actually taught me at college briefly. Um, so it's really great to be in the same space as them, really. The National Art Gallery at the Manx Museum is open daily 9.30 until 4.30 and it's free to enter. What more could you want? Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. And finally, local performers will be treading the boards of the Gaiety Theatre this week to take on the musical theatre classic, Evita. Christy Dehaven chatted to director Scott St. Martin, Alex Tuey, who's playing President Perron, and Douglas Choral Union's Jude Fullerton. It's a very tricky role to play, uh, yeah. actually. You know, he's, he, I kind of liken him to Prince Philip, that he's always kind of two feet behind um, and, and supporting. Uh, but for, vocally, it's a very uh, tricky part to play. You know, he, he doesn't have his own um, song, his own number to sing. He very much um, adds to other, other songs. And there's lots of tricky rhythms and notes to, to, to um, sing in this show. It's been a challenge, um, but very enjoyable. 
And, and Scott, how are you finding directing Alex Toohey? Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm on medication. <laughs> no, what Alex is saying, the recitatives that he has to do mm. are, and there's one section that even did it at the band call yesterday. He stands by the musical director and stands by the keyboard to hear the notes because it's impossible. Andrew Lloyd Webber writes for instruments. He doesn't write for vocals. Mm. And it is extremely difficult to do. It's very technical to learn. Isn't that incredible when you think of how successful he's been in musicals writing mm. this stuff with, with Tim Rice yeah. for all this, these oh, years? Oh, because it sounds fabulous when, yeah. you, when you, you just think when you're a performer, because I was a performer for many, many years, and, I, and I've been in, well, I was in Superstar seven times, and uh, it is very difficult to sing. You just yeah. think, well, they'd, they'd be fine if you were doing it on the piano. And very intense and deep subject matter as well to cover well, yeah, in a well, musical. I'm saying, you know, when people say, what's it like? I say, well, OK, well, it starts with a funeral and it ends with a funeral. Yeah. And it's fun, fun, fun all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, called a masterpiece. It's actually advertised as a musical masterpiece because yeah. it is one of the most famous musicals modern musicals ever written and it, it won the Tony didn't it in 1980 for the, the yes, best best yeah. musical so yeah so I mean we are it's going to be a treat I have absolutely no doubt about that and we were going to be joined by one of the Avers we were mm. going to have Leah with this afternoon she can't make it unfortunately but um, uh, you have two Avers don't you Alex running we, over we do the course uh, <clears throat> Lauren Molyneux and uh, Leah Carter both fantastically talented uh, ladies uh, any member of the audience that's, that's going to come and see the show in the next couple of weeks going to be blown away by their their vocals their their acting ability it's, it's a very very demanding role yeah uh, hence why we have two avers um but yeah incredibly impressive ladies and it's it's a complicated role in itself isn't it because you know it, it she's loved and hated as a character and and the mm. journey that she goes on uh, or as a person sort of in she's very pleasant at all she's not you know you you see that when uh, <coughs> yeah, she, she's from her family at the, at the outset were, were ignored or, or ousted. Yeah. So she's, mm. she's got that, um, that grit and determination from a very young age. And she knows what she wants uh, in life. Uh, and she does what she has to do to climb uh, the ladder. Um, and she meets Perron when she's 25 years old. Um, uh, and he's a colonel in the army, but she sees there's potential. He then becomes president. And there's a, there's a, there's a moment in the show towards the end of Act One where she's convincing him that you know he's not sure whether he wants to to become president and um she's she's convincing him that you mm. know no that, that it's a good thing for them but she very much quickly turns it's a good thing for you but she sees it all this is this is all for me yeah. um and he he's in it also for himself but um and the scots directed it in a fantastic fantastically well um to show that yes they're in it for themselves but there is a moment further down the line where you see that they actually genuinely do love each other Oh yeah, you've got to believe that yeah. they really love each other, or else you just think well, there's there's no heart in it at yeah. all. Yeah. Mm. Um, Tim Rice did an interview, and he was talking about because obviously I've watched everything on YouTube about it, and he said the only emotion Ava Perron felt was hate, and the girls have to you have to be kind of the audience have to go with you. You, you can't turn them off so that you hate them. You've got to be. You've got to be on their side or else it means nothing when we get to the second act when she when they find out that she's ill mm-hmm. and what's going to happen. Well, everyone knows she dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's they, they do a great scene together, the Avers and uh, Alex, where he says, you know, you basically you're dying. And the all you can I feel some people that come to see the show for the first time kind of go, oh, I forgot that she dies. 
at the end. And then you do, it's very moving. And the history, if you read the, about Ava, I mean, what happened to her when she, after she died, her, mm. where her body disappeared mm. for 17 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah. Found it in Italy, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. She's been, she was all over the place. Mm. They moved her and she was kept in an office. And the, the guards used to sell tickets so you could go and see her. Oh, my word. What a story. It really is. Well, the, the, the sort of main part of that story is going to be brought to life on the Gaiety stage this weekend. Just just before we do wrap this up, Jude, I've got, got to come to you, Jude, because uh, <laughs> I get I kind of always feel when we talk to you about these things that you're the one that keeps everything ticking in the background. <laughs> How are they behaving this time round? Are, are you keeping an eye on them all? Yes, I'm making sure that everything gets done and everybody remembers what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be and hopefully they'll all turn up. Um, so it's going well. It's what going they're well wearing, how they're looking. Yeah. Um, I've been told uh, wigs are quite the thing. Yes, yeah, Scott decided everybody's going to have wigs. So we've got millions and thousands of wigs. Um, so yeah, it's been quite fun. Obviously, it's quite hard for the ladies because they, they're not used to seeing a different hairstyle than yeah. their normal hairstyle. So they've, they've got wigs that are obviously very different colours that they possibly would never ever wear or but never colour. Isn't that a bit sort of Sasha Fierce? Doesn't it give you a chance to sort of get on the stage and take on the person personality and sort of be somebody else? Yeah, some people do, but other yeah. people are hesitant. They get a bit, oh, that's not me. Huh? So yeah, it's uh, but other people like take it on board and really oh, have fun I'd, with it. I just thought the dress up was the best bit personally that'd be great fun uh, well listen it's, sorry, it's important to say as well you know Jude, I mean Jude does a fantastic job you know everybody works so hard you've got a so huge team haven't you nothing, uh, yeah yes. and you can see from the 100 people that came in to, uh, to do the getting yesterday Jude works incredibly hard the, the, you know, the whole production team and everyone backstage we all get the credit cause, you know, being on stage but we're nothing without everyone I backstage. I say that when the show opens, I'm the stranger at the bar because nobody really, because they haven't seen me on stage. Yeah. And I can stand around and listen to the audience mm. talking, especially in the interval, about the show. They don't know who I am. So, yeah. yeah. So we're very grateful for everybody backstage. And like mm. you said, 100 people helping yeah. yesterday with the get-in. I mean, mm. that well, is a big extraordinary. Cast. We have a big cast. Yeah, we have a big cast. And, I, and the, with the choral union, we always welcome everybody. So there's all sorts who yeah. come along, even if it's just to make tea. Um, or you know contribute with a cake you know that always helps yeah. so everybody mocks in really so it's it's part of being um, in a society I suppose which to yeah. be fair you need refueling and you need all the support from everyone because the effort you all put in for so many nights in advance and a lead up and then you've got the shows as well two a day sometimes I mean it's crazy and it does start this weekend it starts on Friday doesn't it um, mm -hmm. and it runs through to the 17th so you've got Valentine's in there as mm -hmm. well I mean take your loved one to the theatre starts with the funeral ends with the funeral it'll be yep. very romantic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fabulous Evita runs from the 9th until the 17th of February tickets are selling out fast but there should be some left um, and you can find them on the Villa Gaiety website so in the words of the animated legend Porky Pig that's all everyone don't forget if you want to hear anything again Head on over to manxradio.com and download the Spotlight podcast and listen where and when you want. Preferably not in the middle of Evita, though. That would just be rude. Remember, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create or would really like to put under the spotlight. Be they poetic, theatrical, musical, literary, ceramic, sculpted, in drag, on film, mime, social media, although mine probably won't be great for radio, social media or any of the others I've no doubt forgotten.
just email me at spotlight at manxradio.com or if you prefer, you can email me directly to Rianne Evans at manxradio.com. Rianne spelt R-H-I-A-N-E-V-A-N-S at manxradio.com. See you soon, hopefully. Enjoy the rest of your week. Look after yourselves. And until then, whatever you're doing, be creative about it. <laughs> <laughs>